Fine TV would like to take a moment and thank our amazing patrons. You've blown us straight out of the way. First up, we want to say a big thank you to Alyssa, Alex, Patrick, Ivy, and the Strangeful Things podcast for your continued support. Mitch. Mitch. Good solid name. Mitch. A lot of great words rhyme with Mitch. Rich. Kitch. Glitch. Twitch. Snitch. Witch. Oh, the Mitch Witch. Sounds kind of like a sandwich. That would be a great addition to the double R menu. Thanks so much for your support, Mitch. We hope to enrich your Patreon experience. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, Mitch. Okay, Craig, you're up next. Uh, Craig of Craigslist fame, I assume. Or maybe this is Daniel Craig in disguise? Well, then there's Craig Ferguson. I always thought he was funny. And Craig Robinson. He's a fave of mine from The Office for sure. And you can't forget Craig T. Nelson of Coach fame or, oh, shit. What if this is the owner of Craig's Cookies? What, you don't know Craig's Cookies? No. Okay. I guess that's a pretty specifically Toronto-based thing. But, I mean, it could oh. it could still be the owner of Craig's Cookies. We don't know. But, yeah. uh <laughs> Wow, where was I? Uh, Craig, thank you so much for all of your support. We're glad to have you here with us. Thank you, Craig. Norman, we hope to bring some of Agent Cooper's most sage advice to life for you. That being with us on this Patreon will be like a present you give yourself every day. We can't clothe you like a shirt from a men's store. and We may not be as restful as a catnap, but we are damn fine like a cup of coffee and so are you thank you so much for your support yes thank you thank you to all of our amazing patrons it's so awesome to have you with us and here's to many more months together i have no idea where this will lead us I have a definite feeling it will be a place both wonderful and strange. I'll see you again in shortly. Have meanwhile. Waiting for you in the red room, I'm Jasmine. And where are my drape runners? I'm Mel's. Welcome to Damn Fine TV's Twin Peaks Rewatch. This week, we're covering Season 2, Episode 22, sometimes known as Beyond Life and Death, or as we're calling it... Wow, Bob, wow. Wow, Bob, wow. (laughs) Listeners, we've got an appointment at the end of the world, so let's rock. This episode first aired on June 10th, 1991. It was written by Mark Frost, Harley Payton, and Robert Ingalls, and directed by David Lynch. What a terrible episode, am I right? Oh, the worst! (laughs) Uh, Obviously, I'm kidding. This is an incredible episode. We've said this a bunch of times. Super bittersweet to be at this moment because it's a fantastic episode, but it also is the end of so many things about Twin Peaks. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the Black Lodge sequence is what sets Twin Peaks apart from so much else that's out there. And 
anytime you see something that is at all like that, I mean, Twin Peaks fans just know, okay, there's a David Lynch fan or there's a Twin Peaks fan. I mean, it's it sets it in a class all of its own. It's an incredible sequence that, I mean, like every time I watch it, I just think what what was going through people's minds in 1991 as they watched this for the first time? What the hell were people thinking? It's groundbreaking. Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, this is my second time watching it. And I was still having those thoughts of what the hell is going on? Yeah. I And I love it. Like you said, it's definitely groundbreaking. I'm fairly certain nothing close to this was going on at all during this time period on TV. I don't even think in movies, to be honest with you. I mean, this was just so... It is just a mind fuck. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you, yeah. it, and it was just man, like I was on the edge of my seat and then I had anxiety and then I had like all these feelings and I was like, "Woo, boy. It was so good. It was so good." And I mean, I don't know. I did just say when you see something like this, you know, you can track it back to Twin Peaks, but I don't know how many times I've seen something like this besides like, I don't know, The Return or Fire Walk With Me. Like nothing, there's nothing quite like this. It's wild. It's a trip. But yeah, I mean, it's just so bittersweet overall too for the actual characters. There's so many difficult endings in this episode. I mean, we get a couple of hopeful ones, but it's mostly sad. Like there's a lot of tough endings here. After going through the return and then coming to this point, yeah, it was so tough this time around. I was just like, okay, like my heart was really heavy, you know? Yeah, Yeah, there's so much I can't say, but you know when certain things are like the real, real ending and you're like, fuck, that's how it had to go down? Like, not fair. Not fair. I know. All right. Well, let's do damn fine facts for the final time in season two. Oh, gosh. (sighs) I thought we would do a bit of a time check. So according to the great Twin Peaks timeline, this episode takes place between Sunday, March 26th and Monday, March 27th. And I think I probably should have mentioned this last week, but episodes 21 and 22 actually aired on the same night. They both aired on June 10th, 1991. And it was kind of it was run as like a Monday night movie on ABC And there was actually two months in between episode 20 and then the final two episodes. So I just feel like that's such a, I mean, the last time they did a long break was after the Josie is a drawer knob episode. And then, you know, it's just, it's crazy how the second season went down and it was so, so like torn apart in a way and just aired at really strange times with really strange breaks and It must have been a bummer for people watching in real time, but what a night this must have been. What, like, that must have been the best Monday ever. Like, (laughs) (laughs) the best or also the most confusing Monday ever. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, next up. So sycamore trees. I I don't actually really know what prompted me to look up sycamore trees, but I know very little about trees in general. And I just wondered if there was anything kind of interesting about them to note. And what I did find was that at least when it comes to the USA, sycamore trees are only native to the central and eastern parts of the country. So that means that the sycamore tree was purposely planted in Glastonbury Grove, which I just I thought that was interesting. It was purposely brought there to be this sort of circle of 
you know, whatever this gateway is, right? Yeah. Uh, and then I looked up, how did I get into this? Oh, I think it's through when I was looking up stuff about sycamore trees. I came across this Egyptian goddess named Hathor, who was also known as the Lady of the Sycamore. And according to sort of Egyptian mythology, she would help guide souls of the dead to paradise, which kind of reminded me of when Hawk is like, you know, everyone must pass through the Black Lodge on the way to perfection or not everyone. I think he says like every soul or something like that. And then what I found out about Hathor or Hathor, I'm not actually sure how to pronounce that, but in Greek culture, she would be the equivalent with Aphrodite, which is also the equivalent with the Roman goddess Venus. So all one in the same. And we've already had a conversation about the many Venus statues in the Red Room. And I'll be bringing that up again at some place or at some point as well. But yeah, uh, just love that that was the connection there and the one in the same line, just like the giant brings up later on. Yeah. All right. Final damn fine fact. So David Lynch actually made several changes to the script for this episode, though he didn't take a credit as a writer, I guess. But I read that when he saw the script, he was like, it was pretty much there. But all the stuff in the Black Lodge was just wrong, in my opinion. <laughs> so OK. Uh, on brand for him. Right. On brand. Yeah. So he made a bunch <laughs> of changes and there's so many of them, actually. And they're like they're all kind of small things, but you can tell how it just makes the episode so much more, quote unquote, linear. There's way too many to note. So I'm just going to uh, put a link in the show notes where everybody can kind of read about it. And I think I have made note of some of them that we'll just bring up as we go through the episode. But that's it. That's damn fine facts. Let's dive right in. At the sheriff's department, Andy and Lucy discuss what just happened at the pageant. Oh, delivering baby talk make Lucy horny. (laughs) also is this the first time lucy tells andy that she loves him i i mean i guess so but i just thought that their relationship was a lot more advanced than that so you would have thought Uh, so but yeah andy's reaction is definitely like (gasps) and it's so romantic (laughs) cooper hawk and harry study the map to find wyndham pete has a bone to pick with the log lady when she arrives with oil Her husband said this oil is an opening to a gateway right before he died. Ronette freaks out over the smell, and she smelled it when Laura was killed. Well, just going back quickly to Andy and Lucy, I mean, this is one of the more sweet endings, right? I mean... Yeah, I guess they've said I love you for the first time and their little heads together is a very cute shot. And I don't know. It's a sweet wrap up. They deserve it. But yeah, then in the conference room, I mean, this is a great scene. The music in this scene is everything. It's so good. Pete busting through the door. I mean, there's that example of the perfection in tonal shifting, tonal balancing that can happen in this show because this is such a serious moment in the conference room. And then here comes Pete. Grand theft auto. (laughs) Pete was killing me in this moment. I... Like, obviously, sure, some of the things he said must have, like, got them thinking about certain things, like 12 trout, yes. you know? Yeah. But I just was like, Pete, read the room, sweetheart. Do you not, like, does anyone look like they are interested in, we're not worried about, I'm sorry about your powder blue vehicle right now, but it wasn't the log lady. I, I mean, like, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's Pete. 
It's, it's, it's total P. And the fact that he's worried about his 12 rainbow trout, I mean, that makes perfect sense. I would expect nothing else from Pete. And yeah, he yeah. does sort of somehow give them like all the nudges that they need, like saying that she, the log lady, quote unquote, drove off into the woods, the number 12. And then here we have Simple Harry uh, looking at the map for the first time, I guess, because it's the first time that he fucking notices that it's the 12 sycamore trees. I, Harry, I mean, uh, come on, man. Come on. Y'all know where I'm going with this. Barstool Harry is back. Yep. <laughs> He's made he's made one final appearance for the finale. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and also I kind of think it's dumb that up until this point, they didn't even think to like the fact that Coop knew Wyndham took Annie and their first thought wasn't somewhere in the to go look somewhere in the woods. The idea that the woods are wondrous and strange and have an evil that they've been fighting for, you know, generations in Twin Peaks. Like, why wasn't that their first stop? Well, yeah, also the fact that, I mean, the cave is in the woods. Like, he, there, yeah, it was very Major Briggs went for a weird. walk in the woods and went missing. I mean, there are and so many. came out of the woods. Hawk found him. That, you know, yeah, exactly. So I'm like, I don't, I. it's a little weird that y'all are just now like, oh, my God, the woods, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Cool that we do learn here, though, that, I mean, it it must be this, that Glastonbury Grove is half a mile from the train car. Uh, where where Laura died, right? Where where Laura was murdered, because that's where Hawk says he found the bloodied rag or towel. But in season one, episode three, he says he found it half a mile from the train car. But here he says he found it in Glastonbury Grove. So yeah, yeah. love the love the like. What word am I looking for? The uh, the the di- the lack of distance between those two things. I'm sure there's a better way to say that, but yeah, the proximity. Thank you. Oh, wow. (laughs) I did word today. You did. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know what King Arthur has to do with it, but yeah. It was nice to see Ronette again. Although, like, this is just me being nitpicky, I suppose. But I suppose that they knew the log lady was bringing the oil in because otherwise, why would Ronette just be there? You know what I mean? It's like all of a sudden, and here's Ronette. Please smell this oil. You know, it's like the price is right or whatever. Like, Ronette, Mm -hmm. come on down. You know, like, (laughs) you're You're the next contestant contestant on the oil. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) All right. Uh, Wyndham in Pete's truck, mind you has arrived at Glastonbury Grove with Annie. So when did he have time to change out of the log lady disguise? Mm. (laughs) Anyway, Annie prays as Wyndham leads her to the end of the world. Revenge for Carolyn and Cooper. Come into the circle. They have not died. Their hands clasp yours and mine. Mm. Annie falls into a trance and the curtains appear as the lodge opens then disappears. I just, I mean, that felt a little choppy, but I wanted it to be that way because like, that's how that whole sequence felt like the uh, walking through the woods and all you could see was like the flashlight. You know what I mean? Like it was a very like, and then here's Annie praying and then here's Wyndham talking these kind of weird things like this, uh, spell that's put her into a trance and all of this like it was very point 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 you know totally agree because 
as much as we know what Wyndham Earl is up to and what his kind of goal is here, we're definitely more in the in Annie's shoes, right? Like we are kind of bewildered and don't really know what's going on. Actually have no fucking clue what's going on. Like, why am I in these woods? Um, yeah. So it does, it's not that it feels choppy. It's just like disconcerting and you're like, yeah. where, what, what's going to happen next? But I love that you said it was like a bit of a spell because the line that he says is, I tell you, they have not died. Their hands clasp yours and mine. It's a line from a poem. So again, we have another poem being, you know, uh, spoken here by Wyndham Earl and by Twin Peaks in general. And to me now I'm like, okay, poetry is the spell or are the spells of Twin Peaks. Like that's part of the magic of these woods. And it it was such an interesting line. Like it, it, oh, it was like sure. he was breaking a code or he was like saying the magic words or something. Yeah. I, and I just want to go on the record and say that I can't remember if it was last week or the week before I said, maybe I'm a Wyndham's girl because I was enjoying Wyndham Earl so much, but I'm 100% not a Wyndham's girl. Like he's terrifying ah. and I don't want to be associated with him. So I just want to make that clear. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll believe you this time, okay? Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so watching Wyndham open the curtains, though, uh, and so easily open the curtains, actually did get me thinking that in Twin Peaks, so we talked about last week the the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction and how typically a conjunction doesn't run for like six months at a time. Right. It's usually, it can be building and then sort of fading, but there's really just one time when it's exact. But maybe in Twin Peaks... It is happening from January to June. And so the door is just kind of open for that entire six months. And really the next step is having that little bit of fear that helps you open the door, right? So his sort of sacrifice being Annie. And I think that, you know, the other day when we were joking that Wyndham had been at some crazy party when he came home with the like fully black mouth, I think he had been already at Glastonbury Grove scoping out the place, learning what he needed, like getting doing some reconnaissance basically. So yeah, it just kind of made me think time obviously works different here. Probably astrology works different here too. So yeah, well, that's a great point. And maybe he was there, but what was he doing? Like digging in the ground with his mouth? I, I mean, mean, I think I he was just... drinking up that puddle. I don't know. <laughs> what were you doing? <laughs> Doc is examining Nadine and Mike while Ed and Norma canoodle. Mike professes his love at the dismay of Doc Hayward, and Nadine thwarts his advances. Uh-oh, Nadine is back, baby! Where are her drape runners? Also, she's only 35. I am older than Nadine! <laughs> I feel like that can't be right. I don't know. So many revelations during this scene, but... I, yeah, I mean, I think we probably knew, like, once she got bumped on the head that she was gonna come back, too. It was really hard for me because, like, I've just been rooting for this empowered Nadine. She's doing what she wants. She's living life. She's wrestling. She's cheering. She's at the Great Northern, like, you know, tearing Mike's dick <laughs> up. You know, she's just, like, living her best life. Yeah. And and now she's back into the real reality and I can't imagine coming back to that and seeing Ed with Norma and yeah, you know, like 
her saying it's not fair. I don't think that she realizes what she's like. There's no way she can recall what she's just been through for these past few weeks or however long it's been. But doesn't seem like she remembers Mike. So right, right. So the whole line of it's not fair. It almost makes me feel like, well, what? What do you mean by that? Is it not fair that you couldn't stay the way that you were, or is it mm. not fair that you? have been blacked out you don't know what's going on and the first thing you see is ed with norma it just breaks my heart oh my god i mean this is definitely one of the tougher endings right i don't think anyone in this room is happy like i don't think anyone walks away feeling good or or relieved or anything i mean I kind of noted that throughout the episode, we get different kinds of endings, which feels so in line with the kind of show Twin Peaks is. It, you know, plays around with so many different genres. This really felt like a soap opera ending in a way. One question, though, does Norma not know that Annie's been kidnapped? Like, what is she okay. up to? I, I, oh, wow. I bop, 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 bop. Wow, I'm short circuiting because you're right. Like, she was at the pageant. She was a judge. Right. She yes. knows everything that went down. She had to have known that Annie is not there. Like, yeah, I was like, wait a minute. And this was one of those moments. I don't think it was like a, a weird like time loop or alternate reality. Because, I mean, Nadine and Mike both are injured. So, obviously, it happened. But it was just so odd that she's more concerned about Ed bebopping and snapping and snapping popping his and fucking all that. fingers, yeah. Uh, to her than where her sister might be right now. Like Where's Annie? No, it's weird. Where's where, Annie? Where's Annie? It's just weird. But it's it is weird. it is weird. And I, I I love to think of it being some like maybe not a time loop, but a weird time glitch. Because at first I was like, oh, maybe this was filmed out of sequence like they haven't been to the Twin Peaks pageant yet but they obviously have because that's where Nadine gets hit on the head with like the sandbag or whatever and they're all dressed as if they've just been at the Twin Peaks pageant so is this a timeline where Annie never left the convent like did somebody else just win did the Wyndham Earl stuff never go down like I mean there's no reason that Norma would not be worried for Annie well here we are the moment of truth Donna is going to get the hell out of town now that she knows Ben's her daddy. Eileen and Ben try to talk her down as Doc arrives. Ben asks for forgiveness from Doc and Sylvia shows up. So now it's a Jerry Springer Twin Peaks edition. (laughs) Donna breaks down and says Doc will always be her daddy. And then Doc proceeds to knock the shit out of Ben. It was hard to really watch that with Donna, though, because Hmm. it's like, uh yeah, you know, Ben's a creep and we all know about Ben. Um but can you imagine like if your dad was Doc Hayward and this really great man and you just realize that he's not really your father? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know like it, the way that Laura Flimbold like performed in that moment, it just got me in the feels cuz all yeah. it, it's the way she was saying, "Daddy, you're always going to be my." I was like, "No." Stop! Stop crying at everything. I mean, because like, it's so it is really realistic. I mean, unless you have just the worst dad ever and it's like actually beneficial for you to find out that he's not your father. I mean, learning that your parent is not your parent that late in the game, I mean, that's gotta be difficult. Yeah. And like with so much secrecy around it and 
yeah, Ben being such a public figure in the town. And it's messy. It's really messy. And yeah, this is another really rough ending. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of another soap opera ending. It's kind of a just a straight drama ending in a way, too, mostly because of the way that it fully ends with like Doc attacking Ben. I mean, that that sound that he makes. Whoa, that is so intense. I mean, I don't know. This feels like it's good, but it also feels like a, a a push at like a network cliffhanger. Like we're going to go, we're going to make the guy that has always been good and always wholesome attack the guy that has always been kind of the skeevy sleazy dude that sleeps with underage women. And so shift in dynamics, shift in power. And yeah, it feels like a push at like a network cliffhanger, but it's good and it works. Yeah. Andrew takes the key and matches it to a safety deposit box key that he has. He switches them and Pete catches him red-handed. I just love, I mean, obviously anytime Pete comes into any scene, it's just great. But it was so hand in the cookie jar, you know, when Pete <laughs> yeah. was like, oh, oh Andrew. Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember if it was the original script or one version of the script. Catherine was also going to be in this scene. And I think she takes the key that Andrew had put in the cake sealer and then so took the fake and replaced it with her own fake, I think. I can't remember what else happens in the script. I'll link to the script, though. Um, but I was like, oh, we could have seen Piper Laurie one more time. That's kind of that's kind of sad. But I know you've really actually made me even sadder now. Well, when I-, I saw her name pop up in the credits, I was like, oh, so this this episode is going to make a liar out of me on episode 21 since I said it was the last appearance. But no. excuse me, let me yeah. call IMDB and let them know. <laughs> let me talk to your uh, manager. I think you need to trivia. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. False. False information here. Cooper and Harry spot Pete's truck. Cooper must go alone, which confuses Harry. (laughs) Hooting owls and then a circle of sycamores. Cooper has found it. Harry follows anyway and watches the curtains for the lodge appear and Cooper enter. I just I love this episode, but I hate it so much because it's just like this scene killed. I swear it was like every scene just car right in the heart for me because it was like you know cooper telling him i have to go alone like stay here but harry that's his best friend and he's just like no i'm gonna i've got your back i'm gonna still see what's going on and then to watch him disappear and you have no clue what's going on it's oh poor harry you know what i mean like i was so overwhelmed when i saw harry follow cooper anyway Um, It just felt like such a genuine and heartwarming gesture for like, and it feels in line with Harry too. Like he's not going to let it go that easily, but like what all of a sudden came over Cooper because he is so all of a sudden matter of fact, his voice gets a little deeper. He's kind of cold in his movements. He doesn't even shake Harry's hand. He just reaches. I thought he was going to shake Harry's hand, but he just reaches for the flashlight and then that's it. And I mean, we know who comes out of the lodge and we know that, you know, Harry and Coop don't really get to reunite by the end of this episode. So the fact that this was their goodbye is an absolute gut punch. It doesn't matter how many times I see it. It hurts to be like, you're not even going to pat him on the shoulder. You're not even going to give him a uh, shucks fella. Like, uh, <laughs> no, like give him a thumbs up. Something. Sure. Yeah. But it's like, what, 
it, it, is it the proximity, thank you, to Glastonbury Grove that overwhelms people in that way that they, I don't know, it's just like Cooper changes in that moment. Well, it makes me wonder if it's people that are connected to it. Because, I mean, you don't see anything change with Harry. Right. But, I mean, you obviously, it's 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 very obvious that there is the change in Cooper. So, it's like, if is it whoever is connected in some way to the lodge and the spirits on the other side of it or, or the spirits in the lodge? Like, is, it, is that darkness kind of start to consume you and you change? Mm. Um, and then someone who's not connected to it would not. It wouldn't happen to them. Right. You know? Yeah, I like that. But at least Harry is appropriately scared when he sees Cooper disappear, you know? And to yeah. me, it kind of looked like there was some tears forming in his eyes. I don't know if it's windy out. So that could be maybe somebody was chopping Allergies. onions close by. Yeah. But it did kind of look like he was tearing up. Yeah. Yeah. He pulled and a Claritin out of his pocket after that. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. He he had some visine. Official, <laughs> official brand. Official of, sponsor. Uh, <laughs> I also, I don't know if you noticed, but I did notice like a whooshing sound in the music. And so it just immediately made me think ceiling fan. Well, the whooshing too, like ceiling fan. And then also like uh, the whooshing of like uh, drapes or curtains, like opening and closing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, God, so good. Oh, the lodge. Love to see it. Flashing light, sexy sax, little dude dancing. What a scene. And then Andy finds Harry in the woods. But I'm telling you, man, what it like this would be a banging club because it was just like <laughs> it's a speakeasy, I mean, it's a dance hall, it's a rave you don't need with the to, flash of light. You don't need to buy <laughs> drinks. You don't need to do any drugs. Like the red room takes care of all of it for you. <laughs> I love it. I love that the strobe lights came back into play. I honestly didn't remember that they played such a role in this episode, but it makes me now think about last episode did because I guess in my head I was just like, oh, Wyndham brought some strobe lights like because he's so theatrical, like I wouldn't put it past him to create this effect to screw everybody up. Right. But I don't know anymore. Like, was this supernaturally intervened? Like, yeah, yeah. I did think the same thing because I was like, oh, so were the flashing lights from like, were they, were those the lodge spirits like right. helping Wyndham? Because let's say he did go like you mentioned earlier, like he had already been to Glastonbury Grove and he'd already mm-hmm. been to the Sycamores and he already knew where, you know, obviously he needed to go where the opening was, et cetera. I got oh, it. And oh, tell me. He went clubbing at the Red Room. Saw the strobe light and was like, I need to try this. This is on my <laughs> list of to-dos. Yeah. Hey, like we said, Susie Homemaker. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> He's a party um, planner on top of it. <laughs> how? Yes, of course he is. How would he not be? Can we talk for a second about the naming of this place, though? Because you've already called it the lodge. I've called it the red room. I'm sure we've called it both in other episodes. But like, what is it? Because, okay, we know Wyndham was looking for the Black Lodge. The man from another place calls it the waiting room, like that room specifically. What is it? Like, what do you think it is, basically, I guess, is my question. Because I have my own sort of headcanon and theories, but. Yeah, well, I think the whole thing is the lodge. And I, I think that the red room is just another way to say the waiting room. Okay. 
for me though, I just, I, I mean, I just associated that with being, with just being the lodge. Yeah. I, I, I guess I've never thought of it any, any other way, but so yeah, like that, the, where he went and where everyone inhabits is the lodge, obviously in my thought process, that's where all the spirits are at. But within the lodge, there's probably so many places we have not seen. There's so many things that, I mean, when mm-hmm. we get to the scene of the more in depth, when we're in the lodge, like the, you know, people appear and disappear and there's, you know, curtains, but you're going into the same kind of room. So I'm just thinking to myself, it's the lodge, but the first place that he goes to is the red room or the waiting room. And that's just what we're seeing. Right. As Cooper's first introduction into this place. So, right. Do you think that the waiting room also connects to the White Lodge? Because for me, seeing the giant and Mr. Milk make me think that, like, there's also benevolent spirits here. And we can think back to what Hawk said about how every spirit or every soul must pass through the Black Lodge on the way to perfection. And I think we might be able to assume that some sort of perfection might be the White Lodge. So the waiting room would sort of be like a purgatory? Maybe, yeah. Maybe part of what Cooper is doing is actually, maybe I'll reel that in and we can talk about that in the spoiler connection section. But very good to think about, though, because now I'm on this trajectory of the red room, the waiting room. That's where you stay. That would be like purgatory if you if you never cleanse or purify your soul or whatever you need to do to pass on to the white lodge, which if you want to equate, it could be like heaven or, you know, the afterlife of once you've done all this, perhaps if you don't make it out of the waiting room, that would be like perceived as hell in some sort of way. Right. I don't know. That's very interesting, especially when you see, what happens, you know, in a, in a couple of scenes with Cooper and and how confusing and everything that it is in there, it would seem like it would be either someone's personal hell or purgatory where you have to sit and wait for your fate mm-hmm. or you have to sit there and, and you spend all this time like not like just repeating in a pattern like your worst nightmare type situation yes. or something like that. Yes. We get a great montage of the bridge, Twin Peaks, and the Sycamore Circle. As we learn, it's been 10 hours since Cooper went in. Andy offers Harry coffee, a plate special, dessert, pie. Harry, can you say something other than yeah? Like, this man (laughs) has given you a 10-course meal, and you're just like, yeah, Uh uh-huh, yeah. (laughs) He is so, like, lost in what's happening. Yeah. It makes my heart sink. It really does, because can you imagine when, like, he's been sitting out there for 10 hours. It's the timestamp no that does it. It's like, and oh, my God. And that's exactly right. Like, that's where the heaviness comes from, because you're like, oh, my God, he's been sitting out there all this time just waiting for his best friend or for Cooper to come back from yeah. wherever he disappeared off to. And Harry has no clue. Look, here's the thing. Um, Hawk might be tapped into it. Uh, Cooper, I don't think Harry, like a lot of things have to be like drawn out for Harry. Like the, yeah, like the map, the, we had a circle of trees on there and yet it was, he couldn't do it until that was mentioned. 
So you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but there's got to be a lot of confusion going on for for Harry in that moment, and it's sad. It is really sad. And he cares sad. so much yeah. about him to sit out there for ten hours. The fact that he has not really moved, he is just focused on that one spot. It gets me every time. Yeah, and and. I think there's something in there, too, of like, yeah, he's not as tapped into it as maybe Hawk or Cooper is, but he believes in it and he knows that it's a thing. I mean, he did see Cooper disappear, but I think even before this, you know, like we can go all the way back to Zen or the skill to catch a killer. I mean, he just he was on board for the uh, uh, the rock throwing. I mean, he just the Tibetan methods. Yeah. He's, I mean, he got mad at Cooper once when he really thought that Ben was guilty and that they had enough evidence to convict. But apart from that, he's always been on board and at Cooper's side. And yeah, I think when you mix that with the idea of like, fuck, Cooper's been in there for 10 hours. The idea of being in a place like that for 10 hours is horrific. Oh, God, I don't even want to think about it. But bless Andy. I mean, he's being a really great friend and coworker in this moment. And I think it's a nice tension breaker, too, like just to have this little bit of humor. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Also, I was like, I'll take a blue plate. Hello. <laughs> we all will take one. I'll take that thermos of coffee any day. Yeah, exactly. Audrey visits the bank and advises Mr. Mibbler to call the Twin Peaks Gazette as she handcuffs herself to the vault. Mibbler the mumbler is what I'm calling him. <laughs> she is protesting the financial ties to the Ghostwood Project. Uh, Andrew and Pete show up and Mibbler is stunned, completely forgetting to call the editor. Anyway, just scoot the door open and let me get into the box, said Andrew, probably. <laughs> A guard has a son and then Thomas is, um, Thomas blows the bank to smithereens. Yikes. Hate it all. This is another really, really rough ending. Um, Hate it. Ooh, it's so tough. And this was the action adventure ending, right? Because of the explosion. And then you have Del Mumbler's glasses like flying out into the trees, (laughs) which I found so funny. But so like you would see that in like a comedy action film. Like it was so perfect. The slowness of Del after the Red Room stuff must have been driving people crazy and I think it's probably the same people that get up in arms about some of the stuff in the return because it can move at a pretty slow pace but I feel like this was a little bit of a precursor for that because this was like a tortoise pace and you're like when do Uh we get back to the black lodge (laughs) yeah uh, listen, the the tone just was set from the get go when she came in, and the two people that worked there, one was asleep, and the other one can't find his, ugh, he couldn't find his way out of a paper bag. Let's put it Correct. that way. So, yes. <laughs> I hated it though. I almost fast forwarded through this scene. I hate it that Audrey gets blown up. I hate it that Pete gets blown up. Don't care about Andrew. No. I really don't care about anybody else. Perhaps maybe that guard who just had a baby. I'm not really sure if that's what it. Why wouldn't he be at the hospital if he did just have a child? But anyway, um, I'm just really pissed off about Pete and Audrey. Yeah, it's really tough to watch because Audrey has been on such a such an amazing trajectory in the like second half of this season. I would say most of this season, actually. And then to see it all come crashing down like this, 
this is another really tough ending. I mean, there's no other way to put it, really. Like, it is, that's it. And I blame Ben. That's fair, because he wanted bad press for, yeah, he wanted bad press for the bank. I will say she wasn't doing the best job of protesting, though, because I think that the point should have been to uh, annoy customers, so... I would, the bank would need those, A, for that to happen, so... Garland and Betty share a tender moment at the double R. Bobby and Shelly want to get married and bark at each other. (laughs) Heidi is back. Wait, this all feels very familiar. But Leo is, in fact, not having the time of his life, FYI. Um, Regardless, Jacoby brings Sarah in to talk to Garland. She has a message for him. The message is, I'm in the Black Lodge with Dale Cooper in Wyndham's voice. I'm waiting for you. Okay, let's skip ahead right to there for a minute because you say it's Wyndham's voice. And in my notes, I'm like, who? Who is this? I couldn't tell. Uh-oh, that was in the subtitles. Perhaps <gasps> oh. Hulu spoiled it for me. You okay, know I watch no. with, you know I watch with the subtitles on. It said yeah. it, it said Wyndham Earl's voice. So Well, I've been using subtitles from the DVD on my second watch and unless I totally missed it, I'm going to watch again because I I might have missed it. I do try to avoid the subtitles unless I'm missing a word or I really want to get like a line of dialogue or something, but cuz I wrote Sarah Palmer is a channel, but for who is it Leland? Is it the giant? Is it Wyndham? I was trying to like in the next scene and the next time we go to the lodge, I was trying to listen into all the different voices and try to connect it. But Wyndham sounds about right. I, I guess he's like taunting Major Briggs or something like that. Well, that's what. OK, uh, listen, first of all, I think I've explained several times on the pod that Hulu does not get their subtitles correct a lot of the times. It makes sense for someone who's transcribing this if it for them to say it was Wyndham because like you said, it would be him telling Garland like, oh, you got away, but you failed at whatever you were trying to do because yeah. I got Cooper into the lodge and I won. So, yep. Yeah. No, I mean, I he was know. one of the people on my list. The only reason I thought Leland is obviously that's Sarah's husband. So yeah, I didn't know if they might not be on speaking terms. So that's that might be true. That's that's fair. <laughs> I thought maybe also like somebody maybe like Wyndham had to use a spirit from the lodge to actually connect with Sarah in some way. But I mean, that's me really just going of my own headcanon and trying to figure yeah. things out. But I mean, the only other person we know that has such a deep voice like that is the giant. So that was my other guess. Yeah, and I don't but... think it would be, well, but it felt so Unless sinister he's... coming from Sarah. It did feel sinister. I mean, because, yeah, it does feel more like taunting rather than like, hey, we need help, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. But And boy, it was great to see Sarah again, but woo-wee. She, sca- oh, she scared me, though, especially like when that voice came out. I think she's doing well. I don't believe this is the beginning of the spiral for Sarah. Yeah, <laughs> so, might be. Yeah. Oh, my. Sarah. But, but you yeah. know what? Let's talk about Bobby and Shelly. Shelly and Bobby, my babies, getting married. Oh. But, okay, yeah, let's do talk about it because <laughs> I would just like to know why they're barking at each other. I, just, Aww, I mean, look. they're so cute. I mean, they did that kind of same thing at the hospital early in season two, but it wasn't. I don't think they right. barked at each other, did they? They I just did like a little barking. like cheek grab and then the hair grab. And 
Here's the thing. I will, as specifically for everyone who's listening, I will just record myself walking up to Scott and barking at him and get his reaction. And then we will see if it would be normal for two people to be barking at each other. Should we both do that and then put it on Patreon? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking of Patreon, we we are like, yeah, we're clearly very new at this. This is our video for December on Patreon. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh, we're all almost an hour in. Yes. Um, Yes, everyone, this is the video cast for... (laughs) This is on Patreon if you would like to uh, sign up there and um, you can watch us talk about this. So, oh my. Uh, But... Shelly and Bobby. It was sweet. It's very sweet. This is the more happy ending. I mean, Shelly doesn't necessarily say yes to getting married, but they do their cute little barking thing. They're having their fun dialogue with Heidi. Things seem like they're going in the right direction for these two. Unless we are in some sort of time loop or alternate universe, because this is the exact same dialogue as from the pilot. And in fact, Heidi in the original run of Twin Peaks, only ever appears in the pilot and the season two finale. So, Thank you. All I right, mean, the I only difference, here. the only difference okay. is that Shelly says again. Again, yeah. So so I have here, like, what is, what's this? What's, what's this? this? Mainly because such a tone, tonal shift mm-hmm. from what we're seeing going on. I mean, uh, Pete and Audrey and the bank just got blown up. Um, yes. Cooper's a- in a very scary place with some very scary things happening. Like, lots of like some kind of really emo, sad things going on. And then it's like you open the doors into the double R and it's just this weird, not weird in a bad way, but it's like you're going somewhere else. It's almost mm-hmm. like on Saved by the Bell when they would go to the max. <laughs> but what I'm saying is it was this whole different, because you have Garland and Betty. First of all, I think that we've talked about this. We've never really seen them be super affectionate. Now, when he came back from when he went missing, yeah, I mean, that right. but that should be, that would be a given. Right. You never really saw them being super uh, affectionate, but here they are on the same side of the booth, uh, red flag. Red flag. (laughs) Don't trust people that sit on the same side of the booth. I don't know. Okay. That's just me being weird. But it's like, (laughs) if I go, if if I go in with two people, as in me and Scott, or me and a friend, you sit on one side, I sit on the other. Oh, for sure. Yeah. We We do not need to sit on the same side. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but yeah, and then you have, uh, everything is like, you might as well have had like the little birds from Cinderella, you know, like flying around the the double R, you know, because then you've got Bobby and Shelly and they're hee-hawing and, oh, Heidi, you're so funny. But it gets dark and seriously creepy as soon as Jacoby comes in with Sarah. You know, it's like all of a sudden, you know, time out and everything is back into that, what we were feeling before we stepped into the double R. And that's the thing that feels the most out of place to me because we've had so many romantic scenes at the double R. Like we've talked about the Vaseline filter or the Instagram heart filter, like where it just seems like you can go in the double R and it is like a, I can't even think of the word, but like, it's like you walk in there and time stands still and you can just be in love and not worry about the outside world. But at this point now, the outside world has like permeated with Jacoby and Sarah. 
Yeah. I think it started permeating when Hank showed back up. And- uh, fair. Yeah. And I guess there is that scene where he gets his ass kicked. So uh, that true. wasn't yeah. super romantic. <laughs> well, it was, well, for some of, it, some of us, it was. Hey, that's yeah. true. Great point. <laughs> we liked it. Okay. So for this next scene, I'm just... I, I, <laughs> let's do it I this mean, way I've it's, got, I've it's got hard like, to summarize this there's no way I've got like just really two things and then I thought we could just free talk about all the Perfect. stuff that goes yeah. on there basically what about this staring contest because I haven't seen either one of them blink so like <laughs> little dude and yeah. I don't think he's been called man from another place yet so uh, we got little dude and we've got Cooper having a staring contest. But then I say, you know, he gives Coop the scoop on the waiting room and he asks if he wants coffee. <laughs> uh, Laura appears. I'll see you again in 25 years. Meanwhile, gets me every time. And this is when my anxiety, I was in high fucking gear. Like, I I hate fun houses. I hate mm. the the mm-hmm. the rooms in those that have the mirrors where you don't fucking know which way. I don't like mazes, okay? Well, I'm telling you right now, every time I watch The Shining and Wendy and, and Danny go into the maze, I am like, get the fuck out of that maze. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, any situation where... You don't know how to get out of. It freaks oh, me out. Oh, and do so, not like it. Do not like it. Because you're so not in control. <laughs> yeah. So everything was like up here mm-hmm. through this entire. And that was just like my internal feelings on that. That's not even getting into everything that was actually going on in this whole scene. Oh, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, it's so. very overwhelming. Because Woo. it's all like, I mean, it's it's dream logic. Nothing makes any logical sense. So you can't, I mean, even to sit here and talk about it on a podcast, it's impossible to summarize. It's impossible to go through beat by beat and make any sense of like the, I think that is the best way to talk about it is just kind of talk about it because none of it feels linear to me either. Like, I don't really care if we go back and forth on certain details because I don't think one of them has to happen before the other thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, who knows what order they even happened in? And the fact that, I mean, by the end of it, it seems like maybe he was in there for 24 hours, just about. Like, I mean, and who fucking knows what happened in what order in that time? Like, it's it's so... It's chaotic. Yeah. yeah. It's just chaotic in there. I mean, I do do have to share this. Two great moments from there that I was able to add to the soundboard for everyone. So we obviously had Wow Bob Wow. So, Mm -hmm. but we also had. And then we have doppelgangers laugh. Yes. And then we have. Fire walk with me. Fire walk with me. So many good lines and so many good lines that I didn't realize uh, happened right now. Like, for some reason, Wow Bob Wow in my head was Firewalk With Me. Same. Totally did not remember that it came here. Um, Yeah, a lot of really creepy talking. I don't know that Frank Silva did the same thing that everyone else does with his dialogue because it does not sound, it doesn't sound like he's talking backwards at all. It does not. Right? Okay. It does not, which yeah. made me think, is he like the head 
evil spirit in there where he doesn't have to talk backwards. He can do whatever the fuck he wants. (laughs) He is so scary. Oh, Bob. Bob. I mean, like, Frank did a great job, but I mean, just seeing that fucker Bob again, I was like, no, that fucker Bob. Well, it's, oh it's so, ugh, I guess, bittersweet in a way, but like seeing Wyndham try to take out Cooper and then Bob being like, do not come in my house and not take off your fucking shoes and tell me how you're going to run things because you do not live here. Okay, get the fuck out. Like, because you love to see Wyndham lose, but you're also like, oh my God, like Bob is so freaky in this moment. Well, yeah, and Wyndham tried like really, really hard uh, with his, um, when he was talking to Dale. And I have a question. When Wyndham confronts Cooper and then Bob shows up and like you just said, tells him not in my house, Mm -hmm. you know, not going to happen here. So he says, I'll take his soul. So yeah, like uh, Mm. I love this imagery of him pulling Wyndham's soul in a fire like out of his head. Yeah. However, then we get doppelganger Coop right after that. This is a big mystery for me because it really starts with that. And we'll I can go into this more in the spoiler section, but to keep it very light here. So who is doppelganger? ganger coop because i know obviously we see like bob in the reflection at the end but just go with me on this does there have to be a sacrifice in some way for bob to create the doppelganger this is where i'm going with this Mm. he inhabited leland there Mm -hmm. weren't two leland's walking around right Mm -hmm. he was just inhabiting leland and real Leland, soon, not doppel Leland. Right. That's what I'm saying, right? Like, it was real Leland. Mm-hmm. But to get out of the lodge and get back into the world, he had to create second Cooper. Did he somehow do that with Wyndham's soul? I don't... I, and I could, this could be total, like, no. But it's just... It's the way he says, I'll take his soul. Mm-hmm. It pulls it out. And then all of a sudden, the Here next thing is... Is Doppelcoop. And I'm like, so did him taking Wyndham's soul get this? Because would it be crazy if we know it's Bob inhabiting Doppelganger Coop? But what if it's also a little bit of Wyndham in there? Mm. Or a little bit of... Am I going crazy here with this? No. Am I trying to read into it too no. much? No, and like, I mean, the way that the scene plays out, you're right. Like, those things are happening in that sequence. Like, Wyndham's soul is taken, here comes Doppelcoop. And something I never really picked up on before is that when we cut to Cooper, real Cooper running away, it must be then that Bob hops in Doppelcoop and chases after real Coop, Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think you're jumping to any strange conclusions. For me, I guess I've always just seen it that everyone has a doppelganger then and everyone's okay. doppelganger is evil, I guess, and they live in the lodge. So I never connected it in that way, but don't see why it's wrong. But does everyone have a, do- a doppelganger, though? Because here's the thing. We see hmm. Maddie. We see Laura. We see Leland. It makes sense why they would be in the lodge because they were all victims of Bob. I I don't know what I'm trying. I really don't know what I'm trying to say here. There's just something that isn't, it's weird, not connecting, and maybe it shouldn't. But how, 
how do we get the doppelkoop? Because he's not dead. Like everyone else said is a doppelganger in the lodge. Mm. I don't, now I'm starting to. Okay. Okay. No, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. You, because everybody else that's <laughs> there. Yes. Has been murdered. And so, yeah. And, and the last one was Wyndham, but we didn't really get a doppel. Wyndham. After Wyndham, we got doppel coot. Mm-hmm. I don't hmm. know. Like my head is my head is. I'm not lying. Like I need Tylenol now. I think I'm that's like, a great insight, though, because again, I've just always thought, okay, your doppelganger. It's it's like the lodges themselves. We've got the white lodge, which I guess you could interpret as like us living, but then the black lodge is the doppelganger, right? And the shadow, shadow self. the shadow self. So yeah, so I've just always assumed that everyone does have a doppelganger, but. Why? Why have I made that assumption? I don't know. Because you're correct in this episode. I mean, we do see Laura, Laura, quote unquote, and then yeah. Laura's doppelganger. But maybe that's a different because <laughs> it's Laura. Right. And yeah, we could yeah. speak more to that again in the spoiler connection section. But right. um, to see Maddie's doppelganger and Leland's doppelganger fully makes sense. Right. Yeah, right. no, it's a, well, no, it's, a it's, we, it, it's a great yeah, idea. I went yeah. on this kind of tangent in these my notes, and I just was like, I hope I can make this make sense. No, it because, does, yeah. Because as I was writing it, I was like, this, it still doesn't make sense to me. But Honestly, I, I, it, I, like, just, listeners, I would love to know your thoughts on that whole thing. Like, do you, I, they don't have to be mutually exclusive either. Like, maybe you've always thought there was doppelgangers for everybody, but does what Mel's is what Mel's saying, like making sense to you as well. I would, I, yeah, I would love yeah. to know some other outside opinions that are, yeah, that have some time too. to like sit and think about it too, because we can leave here and think about it for a bit and then come back with more. But yeah. Listen, this is the part though, that got me on this whole path. The first time I watched for me to keep having it in the back of my head that when Wyndham injured Cooper and killed Caroline. Caroline, whatever. She's her own double. <laughs> well, that I'm not even gonna go there with that because I was like, she's just there. Like, what is this? Is this just supposed to be a figment for Cooper? Like, is this mm, supposed to be fear? As she's like, like Annie, fear? Laura, Caroline, Caroline. Right. Like, that was so great. I love yeah. that. But this moment, though, when he does, like when he starts bleeding and then he sees himself on the floor, when this happened with Wyndham, did he somehow get stuck in this place and everything else has been like mm, just right, right? A, a something that's been going on while he's stuck here is this a figment of his imagination in right. some way? Yeah, from when he got injured, not by Josie, but by by Wyndham. Yeah, so seeing himself and Annie laying on the floor, but then it's Carolyn, but then it's Annie. It's like his mind is playing tricks on him in a Glitchy. way. Yes, exactly. Also, I, di I didn't put these two things together, but apparently where he was stabbed by Wyndham is the exact spot he was shot by Josie. Yeah, I think it has to be, right? Which is so interesting. Which, again, oh, which is, is like, thing. are you imagining <laughs> that you were shot there? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Sure. Okay. All yeah. Right. Okay. A couple of quick notes. Cheryl Lee yeah. is my fave scream queen. 
I have wow. to just say that. I mean, I don't know if that's obvious. I don't know, but she's just incredible. Like that is that shriek is ear piercing in the best ways. This uh, when Cooper has the coffee that's all like sludgy and um, like slow dripping. This is why I thought that that's what was dripping over the plates that Annie drops at the double R because it does look syrupy, but mm-hmm. it's more molassesy, I guess, like the thick brown yes. syrup of it all. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know if I've ever noticed this before, but whatever is on like the side table, I, I don't know if it's a lamp or if it's just a statue, but it's of Saturn, which is cool. I mean, love to have the- I missed it. Yeah, it's so cool. And I mean, I don't really see any evidence of Jupiter in there, but obviously we've talked about the Venus statues, so more planetary stuff. And yeah, my my last note here is just kind of cheeky. It's just that- uh, Bob checks his teeth in the camera before leaving the lodge. Oh. Wants to make sure he looks good. <laughs> <laughs> the man cares about dental hygiene, okay? Mm, and we do know well, this. <laughs> the man or the entity, whatever he is. Yeah. Listen, um, he's great at dancing and he loves to take care of those teeth. He's a catch. <laughs> Listen. So he's maybe the real deal Holyfield. <laughs> do you think he's chewing like um whitening gum? Because you know that gum oh, that he likes is coming back in style. So it's gotta be like dentist approved whitening gum. Yeah. He's the nine out of ten. He's he's definitely <laughs> uh chewing the whitening gum. Mm-hmm. He's definitely using the charcoal toothpaste uh that, that really brightens up the teeth. Sure. Like he's just going the extra mile. Sure. Yeah, he's doing it all. He's is charcoal all. toothpaste actually black when you use it? Because maybe it maybe that's what's in the the pool outside glass or in Glastonbury Grove. Wait a minute. Wyndham was just brushing his teeth, people. <laughs> I, I use charcoal toothpaste. Twin Peaks. Why did I not think of this? <laughs> Does it taste good? It's kind of minty tasting, but oh. it's black. Yeah. No, it didn't. I mean, I always get, you know, James and Scott when I'm like, you know. And oh, my God. Okay. So, like, yes, that's what it is. <laughs> and Twin Peaks has actually been like one of those ads for dental health, uh, like a subliminal message time. for your yep. dental health. This and then in time. the finale, they were like, just let's get overt with it. Oh, yeah. Because especially when we see all of the non-charcoal toothpaste getting wasted, that oh, means. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were like, no, no, we no, 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 no. We do not want Crest. <laughs> we do not want Colgate. None of this fucking mainstream shit. <laughs> I love give this Give me charcoal take. or give me nothing. <laughs> give me charcoal or give me death. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, obviously the end of it would just be that Doppelcoop, you know, comes out with Annie and, and Harry is there too. Um, and it's very sad because you know it's not Cooper, but yeah. Harry doesn't know that. And yeah. and Annie is not doing not doing well. So. No, she seems to have a head injury. And I for the first time was like, is Doppelcoop imitating the head injury that Annie has in this next scene. Well, let's not forget who the OG head injury is, which is Ben, because he had an injury in the same spot earlier in the episode. Great point. (laughs) Doppel Ben. So it's just going around. (laughs) Yeah, just head injuries for all. You get one, you get one. You're all getting a head injury. (laughs) Okay. Well, Cooper awakes to Harry and Doc and exclaims that he must brush his teeth. 
Uh, also, he wasn't sleeping, by the way. He wants you to know that. <laughs> Dale Cooper would never waste toothpaste like that. The mm-hmm. audacity. Mm-hmm. He busts his head into Bob's image in the mirror and frantically asking... He wasn't sleeping. I mean, I know real Coop's not sleeping because he's not. That's but what? Well, help me with this because I when what does it mean? Tell me. I mean, I have other like ooh spoiler section. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because okay. I can't. Okay. It's just that's it's okay. very matter of fact, and the only thing I can connect it to within this episode is whatever comes over Cooper when they first enter, when they first get close to Glastonbury and he's like, I have to go Uh, on alone. It's that, it's that coldness. It's that detached, emotionless feeling. Like it's, it's just so matter of fact. I wasn't sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was very matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. Love when Harry is just like, okay, that's, that's a good idea. You should brush your teeth. You have been in a (laughs) black lodge for like 24 hours. Probably a great idea. Like, yeah. It's a good good call to talk about it in front of the doctor, too. Just, you know, we're covering all bases here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, well, this sort of, I mean, before we cracked the case on Twin Peaks being a subliminal message for better dental care, I wrote down that it seems Bob has never used toothpaste before because he doesn't realize that you put it on the brush and not in the sink. Because it also reminded me of when Leland put the gum in his mouth, but then, like, Bob didn't understand how to chew. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Which is funny because you would think, like, yeah, if let's just say Bob doesn't brush his teeth, why would he that doesn't. be what he said? But that's what I'm saying. Like, why would that be what he's like? You know what? I need to <clears throat> brush my teeth, gentlemen. It does seem like a Cooper thing to do, though, just to do something so normal and responsible, I guess. Like, it is time to brush my teeth. I don't know. It's like he's trying to put on Cooper's shoes and be that yeah. person. Yeah. 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 You're right. The sound when he smashes into the mirror, it's so high pitched. It almost sounds like the screech of an owl to me. Very creepy. I jumped. Yeah, I jumped. I mean, and Kyle McLaughlin is so, so scary in this moment. I sort of had, there were things that I couldn't avoid the first time I saw Twin Peaks just because of the internet. And like, I just, I had known stuff about Twin Peaks before I ever watched it. So Knowing that it was Leland who killed Laura Palmer or that, you know, Leland, Bob, whatever. And then kind of knowing that whoever came out of the lodge wasn't fully Cooper was something that I knew. But I mean, even still in that moment, it's such a gut punch to see Bob looking back at Cooper because like the heroes have failed in this moment. It is a huge loss. It's very it's terrifying. Oh, gosh. Um, And I wanted to say that, so now, if we do have first-time watchers listening along, you'll understand Tyler's comment uh, in a couple episodes ago, I think episode 17, when he was like, oh, I just think it's because no one ever stops to ask how she's doing, referring to Annie, (laughs) and Mel's reaction of like, stop it. (laughs) Stop it? (laughs) But now that'll all make sense to you, which I I had to leave in because it was too funny and like, no one would get it, so. No, exactly. (laughs) Well, they don't call him Mr. Spoilers for nothing. That's right. Mr. S. But yeah, I mean, what another ending? Uh, uh, the ending, basically, right? I mean, how's Annie? The iconic line. We're only going to get one other such iconic line. and can't talk about that yet. So can you imagine? No. Like, And I know we've talked about this a million times and you know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. 
not only with this being like a season finale, but then it doesn't ever come back. Uh, well, you know, fair. until uh, 25 years later, but still, like, people that were really into this at the time, I cannot even begin to imagine what that moment felt like. You oh, know what I mean? This is like, what Nadine meant. This isn't fair. This is this what she This isn't meant. fair. Yes. yes. Yeah. She was trying to tell us, and yeah, she was forewarning us. Yeah. No. Um, no. What an I epic Monday night movie. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Man. So well, good. So obviously, good. we are going to head into the spoiler slash connection section. I feel like we've got a lot to say. We dropped the name already several times during this recording. But yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to say, so this episode is coming out on New Year's Eve. So I just want to say Happy New Year to everyone. And thanks for all of the listens and loves and support during 2021. We can't wait to return to the return in 2022 oh my gosh it's gonna be great happy new year here's to 2022 yes i almost don't want to say it because like when we did our 100th episode i think that we literally were like oh 2020 is gonna be the year (laughs) Uh, we had it in one of the clips and i just was like red flag red flag red flag like i mean (laughs) 2020 was a fun year for podcasting like obviously some shit happened and we're not negating that but you know there was some there was some bright spots but i was yeah but when i was was listening back to to that yeah exactly i was like well boy did we didn't know what was gonna happen that's for sure Mm -mm. no we were sweet summer children Yes, One thing I do baby. know from Game of sweet Thrones. Sweet babies. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, if you have enjoyed the show this year, we would love for you to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. We always enjoy five stars, but we'll take any stars you want to give. Also, if you are interested in exclusive content, like this is our video uh, cast for the month. Um, head on over to patreon.com slash TV. Uh, we have a lot of cool things going on over there. Um, some of the tiers, we're doing hangouts where we just wrapped up um, like our first kind of like uh, patron uh, requested, you know, video coverage. That was so much fun. Um, yeah, so scoot on over there and check out the tiers. And if there's something you like, just, just scoop it up. Because guess what? It's a new year. Yeah. New year. New yes. year, new you. Well, and actually we should say that if you are listening to this the day that it comes out, you have until like midnight Eastern to sign up to be entered into kind of a draw to get a free month in January. And you'll get a free month of whatever tier you sign up to. So Yes. Sign up for the big one and get a free month. That's right. <laughs> bye <laughs> And any patrons watching or listening, thank you so much for your support. And we can't wait to do Absolutely. more with you in the new year. Yes. For anybody not interested in Patreon, totally understand. Totally get it. Um, come hang out with us on Instagram and Twitter at TV, Or just tell your friend, you know. tell. We know when we say Bob is back, don't tell your friends. But we want you to tell your friends about this, okay? This is the thing That's to tell right. your friends about. Yeah, and you can find me on Instagram at Superficial Mills. Yes, and me at Damn Fine Witch. So, anybody not joining us for the spoiler slash connection section, we will see you next year for our season two recap. Bye bye.
And we're back in the spoiler slash connection section. Oh, gosh. I mean, where do we start? First of all, so when we get to the lodge and we do have uh, this fine gentleman singing about the sycamores, Mm -hmm. is he the same guy that introduces the axe in the return? I didn't look it up, but I swear to you, I was like, all I could, when he was taught, when he was singing and the spotlight was on him, all I could think of was the nine inch nails. I don't think it is. Okay. So it's performed by Jimmy Scott, who okay. I think is like an actual. Like sing, like singer, lounge singer, oh my not God. lounge singer, but well, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, the music was written by Angelo and the lyrics by David Lynch. Of course. Right. That makes sense. But I don't like, I think he was an actual singer. I, and so I think. You know, they okay. obviously saw him somewhere and asked him to come on. But I, I don't think he's the same guy because I feel like I've heard somebody talk about this before. Maybe it was on even Diane or something. But okay, I'm going to look him up on IMDb I, just, real quick. All I could. Th- it just looks so it just looks so much like that exact moment, though, with when he has the well, meter. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they got somebody that looked very similar as well to For just fit that. in with the echoes, the doubling. I mean, why not? Right. Yeah. And I was thinking if it was the same, then that would really give so much like. Uh, uh, not the same. It's not. Oh, no. Well, still, I'll go with my thought reassurance to where we think that the roadhouse and the return is all lodge related because I, I think it this still moment. works, though. I think it yeah. still works. The fact that they look so similar, like that's enough for yeah. me. What I was what I was trying to avoid being spoilery about <laughs> is when we do see Coop trying to make it out of the lodge and the return. But we see all these different. So we have the like the the mob zone, and then we have you mm-hmm. know the non-existent. You know that's that's where I was thinking like what are, these are just the levels like these are other right. places, and so that whole thing would encompass being like the lodge, um, and. Also, it just obviously when I got that bug in, up in my ear about did this because I, I still I, it's still foggy to me and maybe it's going to make more sense when I go back through the return again. But the whole creation of Dougie, the whole creation of Mr. C and then pulling Wyndham's soul out, I don't, you know, I mean, like it. it I'm I'm still I'm just a little foggy on that whole process and the whys and the whats and I know that we've got the doppelgangers and we've got the tulpas like you know I know all of that and understand it but I don't know why like something just stuck out to me in that moment that made me think okay well then they had to go and make Dougie for Coop to come back I don't know like it, my mind just went down this whole spiral of like well, and they have to sacrifice someone to do that. Like, how do we get to where we're creating all of these? Right. You know, uh, doppelgangers or tulpas or whatever. So. And I mean, it's easy to go down so many different routes and 
get a little like lost in that maze because we don't know all of the rules of the lodge. Like we don't know all of the logistics of how those things work. So we're sort of left to our own devices to figure those things out. Yeah. Yeah. But I like you saying the different levels, like, you know, if he was, I understand that the arms doppelganger sent him to non-existence talking about Cooper, but like, can you only be sent from the lodge? Like, so was non-existent another part of the lodge space in general? And then as well, the Mauve zone is, and perhaps the White Lodge in a way, if that's where the fireman lives. But also, where does Laura get transported to when she screams and is finally released? Like, you know, this, this space feels sort of like a portal to other spaces. Yeah. The only other things I really wanted to talk about was just like how, I mean, we won't see Pete, Pete again. I mean, we see a, a reenactment or a reimagining of like Pete as him that like but, from the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, mm, I hate this. Like, I don't, sad. you're not going to see Pete again. And like, and then don't even, I'm not even going to go into ugh, the Audrey stuff. I mean, you know, I love. I love Audrey and their return, but yeah, this is the different. last time we're going. This is the last time we saw Audrey, real yeah. Audrey. Like, um, well, I mean, we could we could say that about so many people. Like, I mean, we're not going to see Harry again. We're just never going to see too, Harry again. That was another thing <laughs> like, is for that to be the last time. Literally, like that's what I was trying to stop myself from saying. You know, earlier also was like this is a literally the last time that Harry sees cooper it is so fucking heartbreaking that's why i'm like why can't you just tap him on the shoulder (laughs) like give him something yeah Yeah. Yeah. oh lord have mercy oh and i should have brought this up a second ago when we were talking about all the different spaces but also above the convenience store like that has to be another sort of space that's connected to this like portally business yeah um, I mean, I'm sure there's more. I let's talk about all of the return now that we've gotten <laughs> to this part. But but like, we what are do you so have soon. In, oh, I meant to totally meant to say this during the recording. Nobody's gonna miss this though, because it doesn't matter. I swear I had memories. I made this up totally of Leo dying oh. with the spiders. Right. And I was like, wait a minute. You actually don't ever see Leo die. You never see Leo again. You're just going to read about it. Yeah. But I just was like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. What a cliffhanger. But for for some reason, I had imagined in my mind, like, oh, we're fixing it. Like, after the Bobby and Shelly stuff, we're going to see Leo actually, like, die from all of these spiders. And then it was just him again with his home alone trap. Just, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay, well, bye Leo. Catch you later, I guess. So yep. I know. Well, that's yeah. how good uh, the secret is. Is it this? No, it's final dossier. It's the dossier. Yeah. yeah that's where they do with the yeah. profile on everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how good it is. So. Okay. Well, um, let's see. Okay. So I love that you said that the guy, that the guard at the bank was getting a phone call that he, he had a baby boy. To me, I was like, okay, one of the last things that Audrey is going to hear is it's a boy. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to have a baby boy, mm-hmm. which I was like, that's really creepy. And I don't <laughs> think they were thinking that in that moment, but that's just where my brain mm-hmm. went immediately. Yeah. Uh, then I had some notes about different lodge spaces, which we kind of went through. 
Another sort of person or figure or spirit we won't see is the man from another place who even says, when you see me again, it won't be me. And it is definitely Mm. not him because it is a fucking tree. (laughs) It uh, it is. It is a tree with a hornet's nest on top of it. It's fantastic. I can't wait to see that thing. Uh, And I I mean, so I don't know if he's ever been referred to as the arm at this point. Like, that's what we know him as. Maybe we find that out in Fire Walk with me. It's got to be. It has to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But speaking of that, interesting that we never got to see Mike in this episode. Like, is he... Or Philip, oh, or who, I think it would be Mike that would man. be in the lodge. Yeah, but obviously that's another thing. I was like, "Hello, like we, we where's Mike? Because he's so yeah, such an important part of the return." Exactly. Uh, I think we sort of mentioned this, like Bob taking Wyndham's soul, and then the fire that appears totally reminds me of the deconstruction of the Tulpas, where they just sort of yes. like burst into flames, and then we get the little orb yeah. thingies. Why does, I don't know why I have this in the spoiler slash connection section. It's just a question I guess I have written down, but sure, I'll ask it. Why does the Lodge give Annie back? What's the purpose of that, do you think? Uh, okay, this is what I was thinking. So I know that, that Wyndham was making the deal with Dale that if you give me your soul, I'll save Annie. And then obviously Bob swoops in and is like, no, no, these are my house, like an my owl? rules. He swooped right in like an owl. I'm wondering if that would be some way in the future for there to be, uh, okay, for all of this to be explained away as like, we don't really know kind of what happened in the woods because he got Annie back. Right. Uh, but it's, but, but, but it's disappeared. Bob, Bob Coop. Right, but, I, well, and maybe they're just like, fuck Wyndham, I don't know. But, so I almost was thinking it was like a strategic part mm. on, um, for Bob to be like, okay, so, and I'm giving a lot of, I'm totally giving Bob a lot of, like, leeway here, meaning, like, he's a very critical thinking entity, and I don't sure. think that sure. that's true, but... For me, it's almost like he he knew the deal that Wyndham was making and that Cooper was willing to give up his soul for Annie to get out, which then made it even maybe easier for Bob to be like, all right, well, I'm going to make a doppel coop and I'm going to inhabit him and I'm going to take Annie with me because he he's kind of already let it be known that he's willing to sacrifice himself to right. stay here for her to come out, hmm. even though we know in, um, I guess, what, that's also in the, the dossier that Annie never yeah, comes back. Right. Yes. Um, but she's not, she's not trapped in the lodge. No. No, and just once a year, she just says something. I can't remember what the line is, but. Oh, what is it? Yeah, she, but it's on the anniversary of that, like mm-hmm. every year. Oh, she says, I'm fine. I'm fine. That's, That's it. That's so yep. fucked up. That is so fucked up, but it's so good. Um, no, I like that. I don't know if that explains anything, but like that, well, who that's knows kind of where my answer. mind. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's where my mind went, though, because it was like this, the the timing of Bob swooping in at that exact moment when Wyndham stabbed Cooper 
in preparation to take his soul or whatever and let Andy go. I don't know if that Wyndham was ever going to do that, but. It's like Cooper and Wyndham made that deal. And even though Wyndham wasn't allowed to make the deal, the deal was still like the word was still bond or something. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay. Cooper saying or Doppelcoop saying I wasn't sleeping. I don't know that this gives an answer, but I was blown straight out the way to see how much that is just Mr. C already. Oh, yeah. In even in the way, I mean, I know he says I need to brush my teeth and we know that Mr. C doesn't need anything, but just the voice, the mm-hmm. the like plain sort of style of walking, the like the the nothingness, the detachedness, the matter of factness of I wasn't sleeping, like it's so Mr. C right away. It's so cool. Yeah. 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 Oh, also, probably should have mentioned this. It was in my notes when I was like furiously writing about uh, everything that's happening in the lodge. But um, even Dale's voice before, like it was actually Cooper, but even his voice in there sounded so different. Mm-hmm. Like there was no inflection, but he wasn't. So I guess it, we could contribute that to like when he said he had to go in alone, like his demeanor changed. But like, even when he was talking or, you know, the few things that he did say in there, like even when he said Caroline, you know, it it wasn't with like wonder and like amazement. It was just like, Oh, Caroline, you know, so it's making me think of which I don't know if it is. And it doesn't really give any answers or do anything for us. But like the person that Cooper became in the woods saying, his goodbye, not to Harry. Yeah. And in the lodge is Richard. It's like that mixture of Cooper and Doppelcooper. But like. It's true. But like, ha- <laughs> yeah, it's so it's so before any of that happens. But anyway. Wow, Bob. Wow. Um, My final thing is just actually another question. And we could maybe talk about this in 18 or so or 20 weeks or however long away it is but like <laughs> how's annie versus what year is this where yeah. do you fall on is there one uh, that more gets you more or uh what year is this gets me more yeah i don't know if it's just because it's the ret- return and I, it that's my hands down all-time favorite no matter what mm-hmm. but i think i have everything to I just everything in that moment. Now, how's Annie is scary? Don't get me wrong. I mean, Terrifying. like it is very iconic. Mm-hmm. But whoever this person is, Richard Coop, like whoever, like just him having some sort of realization and being like, what year is this? That hits me just so much harder uh then how's annie um i guess it is kind of an unfair question because they're both i mean they're both equally iconic and they have their own feeling in their own rights yeah Yeah. like i think you're right to me to me how's annie is almost more overtly terrifying because that's the first time that we're seeing that cooper has been inhabited by this evil spirit and like i said before the heroes have lost whereas what year is this just hits in a much different way. It's still scary, but we're like, have our heroes lost? Have our heroes won? What's happening? Exactly. Yeah, that's all I got. Well, if that's all for this week, we need to brush our teeth. Yes, that's a good idea. So we'll see you again in 25 years, listeners. Meanwhile... (laughs) 
Have you ever eaten moldy chocolate? The tardigrade? I'm Jasmine. I swear on Satan, I'll do that. Yeah. That's uh, my headcanon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dumb. Dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and if you're watching TV. I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV. This is amazing. That's, that was awesome. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs>